Right, good afternoon everybody. Uh, thank you, Jock, and to the rest of the STIC committee for inviting us to, to take part in this afternoon session. Um, as, as you've requested of us, we'll, we'll gladly share some of the observations that we made during the Quiz 1 process. And hopefully we can have uh, an interactive discussion and some different points of view from the floor later on. Uh, the, the, the first thing I'd like to get off my chest is, is the uh, contingency plan I had in my back pocket, which was um, to say that Ian and I agreed beforehand that we're going to hide some subtle differences to see if you can pick those up. But um, I'm happy to say that there aren't any, so, it's, it's a, so hopefully they shouldn't, you shouldn't pick up those issues. Having assisted quite a large number of fir firms during the Quiz 1 process, um, ranging from either doing all the calculations end-to-end to, -end to, 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 to alternatively playing a review role, our team saw, saw quite a wide range of, of approaches to, to the Quiz 1 process. So it's on that basis that we can share some of the, some of the common challenges, challenges with you today. Um, and also some of the, some of the solutions in, in terms of the way the industry approached it. And also help you to start thinking uh, and touch on some of the points as to what the industry is doing going forward. We don't have a very long presentation um, because we thought it would be useful to have interactive discussion and, and, and I, I welcome questions right at the end, but also as, as we go along on, on any in individual slide, you're welcome to, to stop us and, and ask a specific question. Um, in the same way as the, the quiz was broken into the, the market value balance sheet and the SCR calculation, we're also going to I'm going to start by covering some of the interesting parts or some of the challenging parts in restating the balance sheet. Um, I will then ask Kavi, to one of my colleagues, to to cover some of the some of the SCR calculation components, and then finally, in closing, we will touch um, on on some of the issues and some of the things that people are doing looking ahead. So, what was this quiz one all about? Ian has told us in detail now, and I'm sure it's not necessary to give. Um, any further background. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm sure quite a few of you put some bets as to how many times the word quiz would be used this afternoon. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing my bit to add to the tally. So I'm not going to give you any background, but, but I'm going to touch on one or two specific points um, that, 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 that was background info and sort of what, what the FSB said the intention behind this is. And also touch on one or two points that, that Ian just raised. The first one is the wide range of interpretations of the, of the term best effort. I, I must say that, uh, that that's a term that can easily be interpreted in a, uh, in a convenient fashion. Um, we saw some firms in the non-life side that came very close to, to actually performing this exercise in, in, in a SAM compliant fashion. Um, the, the three things that those firms had in common in doing this was were firstly spending adequate time in, in, in researching and making sure that they don't just start doing the calculations and getting up to speed on what what the material says but also what uh, what material from from internationally says as well the second the second component was quality data um, the, the firms that invested in, in in making sure that they have the right data to do the calculation and then obviously thirdly the um, the, the actual process of doing the calculations and allowing themselves enough time to, to, to do the calculations properly. On the other side of the, of the scale, we, apart from the, the firms that didn't submit at all, there, there were some firms that misinterpreted this as a, as a one or two day exercise. 
um, we we encountered some cases where without any actuarial input, um, and I say it with all the necessary respect to our colleagues in the finance department, um, without any actual input, people attempted the quiz. Uh, there were instances where that worked, but but that that, that was often a, a dangerous place to play. Um, the the other thing is that a lot of firms felt that they'll they'll try and get away with the minimum. Um, it, it's like it, it missed the point a little bit. Apart from from giving. Uh, Sort of skewing results towards the FSB and, and and the fact that the industry data we're looking at the aggregated data is slightly skewed. The fact of the matter is eventually we the the, the fact that it's a, that it's a principles based regime doesn't mean that we'll be able to just do whatever we want to. Eventually we'll we'll have to get to the bottom of these principles. So um, I, I would encourage a lot of firms to 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 make sure that best effort really means. Uh, you're putting as much as you can into it. The other thing I just briefly want to touch on is the the fact that Quiz One was based on Quiz Quiz Five from Solvency Two. Now, as Ian has said, um, the intention is to keep refining the standard formula and to keep updating it for 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 South African specific conditions. Uh, and yes, the working groups are doing a lot of hard work to, to to get that in place. The one caveat there is the fact that. A lot of time and effort has gone into the development of the formula in in Europe. So, as a local industry, we need to be careful to throw things out of the window too quickly. Um, yes, there are there are definitely things that 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 we need to look at and that we need to reconsider and especially recalibrate. But the the formula as a whole and the structure as a whole is quite a quite a sensible approach. So, so we expect that that the final SAM standard formula should look fairly similar to the one that we that we tested in in this quiz around the issue of technical provisions the um, the, the the seven percent figure has for the for the last couple of years been a very comfortable um, and very familiar easy way out um, as they say there is a time for everything and there is a time to go so so luckily it's the end of that era most or a lot of short-term insurance companies found the calculation of technical provisions a really difficult exercise. The, the two obvious reasons for this being, on the one hand, the, the data and the fact that the, 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 the level of detail required to, to do the detailed calculations wasn't, wasn't there. But on the other hand, also the sort of just the, the understanding of the approach and, and, and grasping and especially communicating to management how big this exercise is, and the fact that it's not just something where you where you get some data and quickly do a calculation. It is it is a comprehensive exercise to 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 get to a true best estimate. So that's that's one of the biggest paradigm shifts for the non-life industry, and one where we expect firms in the coming year or two to invest quite heavily to make sure that they are able to to do that calculation. Um, so so that's something that we saw um, a lot of firms struggled with, and and in answer to your question. Um, Ian, quite a lot of firms actually did just use the 7% IBNR um, in, in, in submitting the, the best estimate of reserves. The other issue, of course, the other interesting issue, of course, is the, is the outstanding claims reserve. Now, a lot of people would ask, so why do you, what do you need to do with that? You don't need to adjust that at all. If you look closer, a lot of, a lot of firms if, will actually find that the, the outstanding claims res reserves that they are holding is not uh, in line with what a, what the definition of a best estimate is. 
This is especially true in cases where there are rules for, for raising case estimates. So as soon as a claim gets notified, we put our 10,000 Rand estimate in. That doesn't constitute a best estimate. The other, the other scenario is the fact that a lot of, a lot of people uh, put in some, con uh, some conserv conservatism. So there, there is some margin in the case reserves that you, that you held. Very few firms um, actually looked at the outstanding reported, uh, reported claims reserve and considered adjusting that for quiz one. So that's something to, to bear in mind for future. In terms of the premium provision, the Solvency 2 and SAM obviously requires a, a cash flow projection of, of future, future cash flows and including expenses and claims. The, the common approach in Europe for non-life insurers was to use the, was to use the, the UPR and, as a base and then adjust it with a, with an, with a combined ratio. And in light of the, the likely developments in IFRS 4, um, we, would, we would probably think that, that that's a sensible way to go and, and a lot of insurers in South Africa are continuing that approach. The important factor to keep in mind though is the degree of sophistication that you apply when, when estimating a combined ratio. So some people literally just went according to budget or went according to management comment of we expect a 65% loss ratio or something like that. Whereas other people use their internal models um, that they had been developing to simulate uh, the expected loss ratios for the different classes um, and for the different segments in the portfolio and actually use that and as the expected combined ratios applied it to the UPRs to come up with premium provisions. So even in, in using the simplification, um, those firms came up with, with rather sensible numbers. The allowance for expenses is something that's also quite new to the non-life industry in that a lot of firms, as, as, as we have historically been keeping um, allocated loss, adjusting, loss adjustment expenses, so expenses um, that, that are linked to a specific claim have been included in the, in the case reserve. SAM requires us to do a more thorough exercise uh, and a more thorough um, expense analysis to understand if we had to transfer this, transfer this portfolio, these liabilities to another party today, what would it cost them not just to, to pay the claims, but ultimately to have these reserves on, your, on their portfolio for five years, to pay a claims lady, to pay assessors going forward, all those indirect expenses. And those needed to be included within the, with, within the claims reserve. Again, there were firms that, that attempted to do this, but in general, the level of sophistication associated with this was, was not very high. And then lastly, the, the obviously, obvious one of, of, of discounting the reserves. If, if you didn't do a proper best estimate exercise, then, then discounting became a little bit pointless. Um, so uh, even, though, even though some firms took a best estimate that was based on 7% and then applied some payment patterns and discounted it back, the fact that it wasn't based on an underlying best estimate nullified that a little bit. So what we would, what we would encourage people to do um, is to start considering the options now for, for what, you, what you're doing for Quiz 2. The ideal case scenario is obviously to do a perfect end-to-end -end reserving calculation with a perfect data, but very few of us live in that world. So the, the first point that you need to, at a minimum, do is not to use the 7% anymore. 
um, but to use, if, 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 if nothing else, use the new intra-measure reserving percentages um, that came into effect on, on 1 January. There, in Quiz 1, there were two methods for estimating your reported outstanding claims if you couldn't, if you couldn't do that using your own data. Those are quite simple methods, um, so if you don't have your own data, those are easy to apply. There were also two methods for, for, for estimating your IBNR claims. The, the second method is basically a simple factor-based method, which is of which the, the intra-measures is an example. The first, first method is more useful in that it uses your actual claims, historical claims development, without needing all the, all the claims development data. And what it does is it uses uh, an average cost per claim estimate and then just estimates your future number of, of, number of claims. So it, that, that, is, that is quite a good alternative to use for firms that, uh, that don't have all the historical data. Of course, another thing is to start considering the, 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 the impact of expense provisions and, and performing an expense analysis to include that in your, in your reserve. Finally, it is um, just important to remember the, the, how what, what, what role the, the technical provisions play in the, in the whole quiz exercise. Apart, apart from being a fundamental component of your balance sheet and influencing the amount of own funds that you have, the technical provisions obviously feed into the SCR calculation. So a, a significant misstatement of the, of the uh, technical provisions means that you're not getting an accurate answer on your SCR. Segmentation was, a, was a, uh, an area that a lot of non-life insurers struggled with. On the left there, I have the, I have the eight classes that uh, non-life companies have come, become accustomed to reporting under. Um, on the right are the classes that were, that were required for quiz one. Now, this is obviously a very tricky exercise, um, if, especially for companies that have, that have been doing this for a long time have, and policies have been priced according to the star classes and reporting has been done according to the star classes and reinsurance has also had also been purchased according to the star classes to 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 switch to the new segments so that was quite tricky and some of the some of the most common areas that uh, or problems that people picked up is contracts that covered multiple lines so it in in a lot of cases it became a sort of a, a judgment situation for for the actuary to decide well, how much of this premium or this or this reserve should be allocated to which class? And if you think a little bit further, then there, in some instances, there might be some um, some motivation for putting more of it in one class than in the other class, because the motor property uh, uh, premium risk charge is much lower than the motor liability premium risk charge. So. What we need to think about is, is it sensible for the industry to allow these sort of arbitrary um, allocation of classes? So either as an, in, as an industry, we need to move to segments that truly represent the way in which our policies and our products are underwritten, um, or our, our actual underwriting needs to catch up to, the, to this level of segmentation in terms of the way we do our pricing and the way we show our business. The, the other issue was that, that became quite tricky in terms of segmentation was, was reinsurance, especially since a lot of uh, companies had, had reinsurance data not at a very, very granular level. So they knew they had X amount of, of outstanding claims recoverable from reinsurance, but to split it into the, into the star classes 
was historically already challenging for them to now split it into the into the new SAM classes um, was was quite difficult as well. I think it's worth noting just at the bottom there that that the segmentation for quiz two is currently under under consideration, and the the non-life underwriting risk working group is currently looking at at the recalibration firstly of the of the premium and reserve risk but also considering what what will be a sensible segmentation again as ian said what gets tested in quiz 2 is not necessarily the final the final format of sam but i think you we will already see some um, improvement in in quiz 2 towards towards the actual um, segments and the actual products that 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 represents our market the last issue i want to talk about on the on the balance sheet is the risk margin and if most of you would have done the calculation so i'm not going to spend too much time on it the the the, the key thing that that struck us was obviously these these different options in calculating the 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 risk margin and and the fact that you can either go very sophisticated by by simulating all the risk margins for future years as your portfolio run, runs runs down as opposed to on the other scale just applying simple percentages most insurers went for either method two or three so so in terms of considering specific parts of their portfolio considering the the effect that that has on the on the capital requirement and con and investigating how that runs down in line with how your with how your technical liabilities run down very importantly was every single insurer that didn't set up their SCR calculation efficiently struggled ex really with the with the risk margin calculation the reason for that is the the risk margin calculation obviously being dependent on the SCR calculation we found in a lot of, lot of cases where right at the last minute we needed to change the reinsurance assumption from 20% to 30% because we've just been given the wrong number. Now all of a sudden you need to reperform the whole SCR calculation. And if that process wasn't set up in such a way that you can quickly adjust assumptions and, and the whole calculation is, is um, robust and to a large extent um, some of it done on its own, then the risk margin calculation became very difficult. So the, the advice we're giving clients um, and helping people do at the moment is to set up the SCR calculation in such a way that the risk margin calculation feeds out of that very easily and very naturally. I'm now going to ask Kavi to come up and talk a bit about the SCR calculation. Thanks, Ernest. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, so, as Ernest had mentioned, uh, I'll talk to you uh, th this evening about the, the SER calculation. Um, be before I begin, I'd, I'd just like to reiterate uh, some of what Ernest has said. So, um, the, the, the issues that you'll see here are, are based on uh, our experience in, in, in completing um, quite a few of these. Um, it would be quite interesting at the end of this, this session to, uh, to, to hear from some of you as to what the, what the issues were um, that, that, that you experienced and, and um, what, what, what some of the challenges were. Um, looking at the SCR itself, I'll start off with the, with the market risk uh, module. Um, I think it, this was one of the, the simpler um, areas of the, of the calculation, or the, the one uh, least fought with, with challenge. Um, one of the big challenges for, for some insurers, though, was just the availability of security level information. So um, the, the, the quiz technical specifications uh, refer to this look-through principle, 
where you, you've actually got to um, look through to the underlying securities being held and, and, and capture the risk in those. Um, for, for companies who, who had invested in funds managed by third parties or outsourced their, their asset management functionality, um, this was quite a challenge. Um, and and what, what we saw happening uh, where companies couldn't get this information was just allocating um, uh, the, the, the total exposure based on the mandate of the fund that was, uh, that was invested in and not actually looking through. Um, the, the, the second challenge, well, the, the, the second issue really was, was around preference shares, where, where companies were actually holding uh, preference shares. The, the, the strict interpretation of the quiz, if, if you read it, would, would be to treat these as ordinary equity, which would um, attract quite a, quite a penal um, uh, charge in terms of capital. Um, and, and many companies felt that, that this was, was, was inappropriate, and I think a lot of comments were made to that effect in the questionnaires. Um, the third was around credit ratings, and, and the, this was an issue for the, for the spread risk module um, in the market risk uh, uh, module, but, but also in the, in, in, in the default risk um, um, module. And, and that was just around which credit ratings to use. Um, the, the, the quiz didn't really specify whether local or international credit ratings should be used, and what we saw was, was quite a, a varying uh, number of approaches in, in the market. Um, and lastly, uh, as, as Ernest mentioned, a lot of companies uh, made some uh, s uh, some uh, very significant simplifications to the technical provisions calculation. And w w where this was the case, um, you, you often found, because you weren't doing proper discounted um, cash flow valuations, um, actually calculating the, the impact of, of interest rate shocks became challenging. Um, what we, we saw quite a, quite a wide variety of, of approaches here. Um, one of the more common ones was to use or assume a discounted mean term and, and actually um, apply interest rate shocks based on, on, on that assumption. Um, regarding the, the, the uh, counterparty default risk module, I think um, apart from the, 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 the credit rating issue which I mentioned, um, a lot of the challenges were around um, calculating uh, counterparty default risk for, on, on reinsurance. And a lot of it uh, uh, centered around the risk mitigating effect of reinsurance. So um, for, for those of you who are less familiar, this is the, the part of the calculation that, that, that captures the, the, um, the, the correlation between a reinsurer default and a very extreme catastrophe. Um, the, the many insurers had um, had quite uh, extensive reinsurance programs, and especially the larger insurers who had, uh, in, in some cases, even hundreds of reinsurers or reinsurance entities on on the book, um, meant that, that that this could become a very uh, cumbersome calculation, and and it was difficult to set up in in the beginning to begin with, owing to the um, rather complicated mathematics that went into it. I think the the, the helper spreadsheet that was provided by the FSB though um, did go some way to to um, simplifying what was required, uh, but but it was nonetheless quite challenging. Um, the 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 second and possibly more significant issue for 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 some companies though was where um, th they either had very complicated reinsurance structures 
or reinsurance structures didn't quite map one-to-one -one with uh, SAM or STAR lines. And um, for, for example, a, a, a particular challenge was if you had a, a, um, a, a, an extreme event that, that, uh, that covered multiple lines of business with, with reinsurance treaties that only covered a subset of those lines, um, some judgment was required in, in allocating the, the, the loss from the extreme event down to the reinsurance treaties and then down to the reinsurers that, that backed those treaties. Um, so, so that was quite, uh, quite challenging. Um, moving on to the to the underwriting risk uh, module now, uh, I think um, I'll, I'll speak about the, the the cat risks in a second. The main challenge here was again segmentation. Um, so, so Ernest mentioned that, that that segmentation of technical provisions was 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 quite a challenge. But even on the premium side, um, uh, d depending on the pricing practices of the insurer, um, some companies didn't have um, granular enough premium information to be uh, to be able to allocate down to star lines or, or to or to SAM lines rather. And and we, we saw uh, three approaches really that, that were taken in 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 these cases. So so either um, the the actuary or the underwriters would make um, some some sort of judgment call around the amount of premium to 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 allocate to a, a specific style uh, to a specific SAM line uh, where where a, a, a policy um, sort of uh, straddled SAM lines, or um, the the entire product was allocated to to a SAM line in in, in its entirety based on the on the, on the dominant risk that was found within the product. And, and in the extreme, the, the, the current star lines were mapped, um, albeit crudely, to the, to the SAM uh, lines and, 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 the, and the allocation was done on that basis. Um, uh, be, before I move on, I should also mention that um, we, we didn't see too many um, insurers uh, applying the, the, um, and, uh, uh, the, the insurer specific parameters. Um, I, th I think that came out in the quiz report as well. And I think one of the reasons for that could, could also be because of the onerousness of the data required to actually cal calculate uh, your, your own parameters in that respect. Um, on the on the catastrophe risk uh, module, I think um, so some of the challenges here uh, I've touched on. Um, similar challenges existed to to kind of allocating cat losses down to treaties um, uh, where where certain cats spanned lines of business, um, but. But a, a lot of people also battled with, with data. Um, as, as some companies didn't have um, exposures by Crestazone, um, and, and in those cases, I think a lot of people were forced to use Method 2. Um, and, and even on the, on the um, man-made uh, CAT side, uh, some of the data requirements in the quiz are quite onerous. For example, the, the, the fire, um, a man-made cat risk, which requires insurers to know uh, what your your largest exposure within, uh, I think it's a 150 meter radius, um, in in the country would would be. So 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 the, those were quite challenging to work around. Um, other points to note on on the cat risk um, submodule is is th th that uh, the the man-made cats hadn't be, been customized for the South African environment yet. Uh, we're, we're expecting them to we're expecting those parameters to be revised um, under Quiz Two, and it'll be quite interesting to see uh, where they come out. 
Um, we, we, we also noticed in some cases inconsistent results in terms of the, the, um, the cat numbers that were coming out. Uh, so so the, the, the flood and subsistence um, cat uh, often dominated uh, the results and, and, and not always, it, it didn't always appear reasonable. And the, the one case I can think of was for, for a, a predominantly motor book where, where this was the, the, the primary cat, uh, where you would have expected it to, to have been hail. And, and I think some, some tweaking of the, of the parameters may be required there. Um, we, 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 we also noticed, and I think it was not, noted in the, in the report as well, that um, internal models did produce um, uh, some uh, very different results to to what the what, what the quiz uh, does. I think it's it, while it's not important that that the quiz or the internal models sort of um, line up uh, c completely, because obviously internal models are much more uh, uh, specific to the insurer's circumstances. I think what it what it does highlight is is that a lot of companies may be considering going this route in the in the in the case of cat risk, where they feel that 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 this is uh, the, that the cat risk parameters are are overstated or, or, or not appropriate for their business. And lastly, um, to to mention as as I, I think um, it was in, in the earlier session that the the factor based approach or the or the method two was quite uh, was quite penal and especially for uh, companies writing uh, risks outside of South Africa, this this did result in quite penal um, capital charges. Um, I, I, I won't uh, linger too much on, on, on this point. I think um, j j just to mention, we, we did see um, the, the, the credit man-made uh, cat risk producing uh, some, some extremely large numbers. I think this was, uh, this was uh, noted in, in quiz five as well. Um, and, and, and to say that uh, in, in the level two um, specifications in, in Europe anyway, the, the, the calibration for this, for this catastrophe does seem to have been adjusted. Um, and it would be interesting to see where where we land up with with Chris two around this point, but um, as as not many people are writing those lines, I won't I won't uh, focus too much on that. If anyone's interested, you can come ask me about it later. Um, then moving on to the to the deferred tax adjustment. Um, this was again uh, an area where we saw quite a large, uh, varying number of, of practices um, in in the market. I think there were there were there were two main issues here. Um, the one was, um, as Ian mentioned, deciding on the tax basis to use, um, and and really the the, the the two approaches there were were, were the current basis um, based on on the on the current IFRS four or. Uh, uh, assuming that that by the time uh, SAM is implemented, the the tax basis would move to something akin to a SAM market value balance sheet basis. Um, d depending on the assumption you, you made, you, you may or may not have had to restate uh, your deferred tax asset or liabilities on on the balance sheet, um, and th this was not always done uh, where it should have. But but the, the 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 bigger issue I think ar around the results from the quiz anywhere around the deferred tax adjustment is just um, in in the in the allowance in, for the, for the reduction of SCR. So um, the the many companies struggled with the with the interpretation of of the quiz specifications. I think I think um, it's it's mentioned there that that y you may allow for the deferred tax asset um, provided you can. Cover the recover those credits within a reasonable period, and and um, a reasonable period is is 
obviously quite an open turn. So, so we, we saw in the extreme um, companies going the, the conservative route and choosing not to allow for the, the, the deferred tax adjustment at all, um, in which case you, you got a 0% reduction in USCR. Whereas on the other extreme, allowing for it in full, and in some cases not even discounting um, the, the, the future cash flows resulted in something close to a 30% reduction in, in the SCR. And um, so certainly if, if you look at the quiz results, uh, it, coming out at around about 16%, I think that, that kind of reflects those, those disparate practices. Um, again, the, this is... This is probably an area where, where more guidance from the FSB would, would result in, in a, a much more uh, consistent uh, treatment. Um, then um, further challenges regarding the SCR, and the, uh, these are just some of the more practical challenges that, that, that we encountered uh, with companies completing, it, completing the quiz. Um, firstly, it is around communication. Uh, so, so, so this is obviously quite a new concept in, in the non-life space in particular. I think the, the, the life side have had a sort of risk-based um, uh, solvency requirement for, for some time, but th this is a new concept on, on, on the non-life side and, and communicating this to senior management and, and the board in a way that, that gives them comfort is, is, is a really big challenge. Because um, you, you, you not only have to communicate the result, the main drivers, um, to, to, and to, to give them a sense of of where the capital is coming from, but also uh, around the uncertainties in the result, because obviously this is a process that's still still developing, and and your your quiz one result may not may not resemble your your standard formula result when 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 uh, Sam is is ultimately implemented. Um, so, so, so communicating those those uncertainties and where you've applied judgment in your in your calculations was was also. Uh, something that I think could could use more attention than the industry gave it in the past. Um, upskilling uh, actuarial staff, I think this was this was quite a, a shock to many actuarial teams um, in in the country. Uh, we, we 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 saw people having to spend quite a lot of time wading through the the. I think it was 300 and some odd pages of, of the specifications, and I, th I think we've we've come some way um, after completing the quiz, and the industry is in a much better position now um, to 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 face quiz two. But I think uh, still more investment in in skills is required um, to to get familiar uh, to, to get people familiar with what's with these specifications. Um, the third point, and I think Ernest touched on it, is setting up the calculation in a coherent way. Um, so, so the 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 calculation for those of you who've been through it, uh, you, you'll notice is very interdependent. The the technical provisions Ernest mentioned feed into several parts of the, of the calculation. So, so 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 changing uh, one assumption uh, in 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 reinsurance, for example, and 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 your allowance for reinsurance will will filter through um, numerous uh, risk modules, uh, and and this is something that that. That we saw a lot of companies um, st struggling with setting up your spreadsheets in a way that 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 um, gives you comfort that you know nothing um, has 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 gone awry and and all links have been updated, but but also in a way that's that's kind of easy to update and, and easy to kind of change assumptions. Um, lastly, well, well, the last two points are I think uh, r related somewhat. It's really dealing with. Uh, circumstances so so there are the, we encountered quite a number of areas where, where people had to make um, judgment calls regarding uh, completing the quiz and and, and and the assumptions around that 
Um, and and uh, firstly, I think a plan needs to be put in place around uh, the, uh, you know making sure that the right judgment has been exercised and that and that it's been appropriately communicated, and and uh, engagement with the FSB gone through where required. But but secondly, I think um, and and more importantly, um, the, these numbers are going to um, only become more and more important. Um, already, we've seen a number of companies taking um, fairly strategic decisions based on on quiz one results and, and based on where they think um, the the, the uh, SAM capital requirements are going to end up. And so putting in place proper governance structures around the calculation is, is something that I think it's now time to start uh, to start thinking about. I'll hand over back to Ernest to um, to talk through um, cell captives and ART and then just to finish off with quiz two as well. Thanks Kavi. We, um, we only have what, two slides left everybody so you'll uh, You'll just be on the back of the sand and traffic. The the last the last element of the of the ACR calculation that we just wanted to touch on um, relates specifically to 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 the extent that the standard formula allows for unique alternative risk transfer arrangements, especially that of sell captive insurers. While I actually should have said the extent to which it doesn't, um, because it doesn't at all. Um, what happens in Europe is the, the sell captive insurance insurers are quite common. Um, so the so the solvency two standard formula has de uh, developed some simplifications specifically for sell captives. Those sell those simplifications aren't really applicable to sell captive insurers. So as an industry, because we have we we have quite a big market locally. Um, of these alternative risk transfer arrangements, we need to consider how the, how the standard formula should treat these should treat these policy, policies. The capital requirement task group um, has set up a working group specifically looking at this. And in in one of their draft discussion documents, it it, it became clear that they do recognise the fact that that they that especially first party sales and contingency policies need to be tr treated differently. So those are policies where the insured is the the policyholder is effectively the only owner of the cell as well. So so if those those arrangement arrangements will need to be treated differently, the basis for that or the or the the argument for that is that they are not really exposed to insurance risk, but they that they are predominantly predominantly exposed to, to credit risk. The issue, however, becomes what credit risk are they exposed to? Because the standard formula, the standard approach for calculating credit risk cannot apply because the credit risk that they are exposed to is indirectly linked to insurance risks. Because as a major event will happen, that will trigger the credit rate or the credit, credit worthiness of that individual. So a lot of thought still needs to go into how that, how that calculation should look. And the industry for quiz one struggled with that. It seems likely that third-party sales, so that those are sales that sell insurance to the man on the street, to the public, will probably be treated, not be treated any differently than normal insurance companies. The big challenge there is the availability of data. Most cell providers will, 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 will be able to, able to tell you that the fact that that there's such that there's an outsourcing agreement, and the fact that the other party is effectively administering that cell means that getting data is very difficult. And especially when you get to uh, detailed calculations in the SCR, such such as 
applying the, the, the catastrophe charge for where you, and you need specific Crestazone information, very few third-party cell providers will be able to, to provide that level of information. So as an industry, we need to consider how we need to structure the formula going forward, but also what is realistic in terms of information requirements on those, on those cell providers, and whether, that, whether we are keeping it feasible for, for, for those cell providers to continue that business model. The, the last point I want to, want to raise on that issue is, is the fact that because insurers struggle to calculate the SCR for each individual cell, the concept of ring fencing, which has been a fairly contentious issue in South Africa over the last couple of years, was brought, into, was brought under consideration. So the argument that a lot of cell owners and cell captive insurers um, have is that individual cells are ring fenced to the extent that the underwriting risk from one in one cell will not influence the solvency of another cell. The fact that SAM looks at one balance sheet as a whole, and ultimately the, the fact that, um, the, that the financial stability of the insurance provider, of the insurance license, is dependent on the underwriting um, experience in a specific cell, brought into question the whole, the whole concept of, of cells really being ring-fenced. And the fact that, um, in practice, then, they really aren't. Um, so that's something that specific legislation, obviously there, there, is a, there is a process going on in terms of considering the legislation specifically. I think, uh, I think there's, uh, there's some work to be done by the industry to consider how, how this standard formula will apply specifically in those circumstances going forward. So the last slide we have is just bringing together some of the things that we've said and highlighting some of the, some of the steps that people are taking currently to prepare for Quiz 2. Now the diagram that I have um, that will appear on, this, on, on, this, on the screen now is one that, it, that represents two different points of view and is made up from two different sets of insights. The one set is things that, that people are actually doing in South Africa at the moment, things that um, we're advising our clients to do and that we're actually seeing in the market people are starting to do to get ready for Quiz 2. The other component is experience from Europe and especially from our, from our actual colleagues in, in Europe and especially in the UK where some of the Ernst Young teams have taken firms through multiple iterations of, of quiz exercises and found what are the, what are the things you can do to get, to get yourself ready over time. So the, the two basic elements that come up that, that are fairly obvious the first, one that firms should, the first one that firms should be focusing on at the moment is establishing a reserving process. As we've said, this is something that's, that's new to the non-life industry. Even if you do not get the, the, the calculation right for Quiz 2 already, already, start putting together the data, start put, putting together the specifications and making sure that in future you will, will have the data. Also, investigate what the right simplifications are and how you can refine the simplification process to make, make it more sophisticated. The second element is, this, is setting up the, the market value balance sheet and the SCR calculation pro process. As Kavi has said, it is very handy to have a, a framework, framework in place where you can update assumptions easily and test different sensitivities and te test the, the impact of different things um, on your SCR calculation. A lot of people found it really, really challenging because they had to make manual adjustments to the market value balance sheet. And they had to make manual adjustments and 
various rounds of, of, of calculations and various spreadsheets not always linking to each other. So that's an important thing to set up before you start doing the calculation. However, as, as, as firms investigate these two items and get ready for these two items, they realize that there are two restrictions um, that, and sort of two starting points that, that, that they need to put in place first to ensure that they are ready to, that they are able to do this. So the one is, is, is obviously um, getting their data ready. Now, it's important to note that getting data ready doesn't mean doing a lot of work on the data, but the, what, we, what we're encouraging people to do now is to set up the processes of gathering data. So that means engaging with the different parts of the business, um, engaging with the underwriting team, engaging with the claims team, and explaining to them what level of data you need and why you need it. Again, you might not have that data ready for quiz two, but it's important to start putting together that process now so that, so that your business comes ready by 2014. The, the other element of data that Kavi also referred to is, is more detailed balance sheet data. So especially on securities, um, where you need to apply the look-through basis, it's important to start gathering that information now. And we know the timelines for Quiz 2 now, so it's, it's recommended to start looking at that already. The other issue, again fairly obvious, is, is managing this process and planning this, the resources that you're going to use over the, over the quiz process. The, the, the key thing here is identifying the different work streams and identifying the, the, the different resource requirements for the various work streams. This is especially important in communicating with management. Um, a, lot of, a, lot of our, a lot of actual teams found, found it difficult to tell the management teams that they won't be able to do all sorts of other management information reports for those two or three months because they need to be dedicated to the quiz. If you start planning the quiz process now and mapping out the different work streams and, and, and testing what level of resources you will require, communicating that to management early will make it so much easier. And then of course the one big thing that, we, that was conveniently for all of us, um, we were not part of quiz one, but that is something that, 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 that we can't uh, ignore any longer is the consideration of groups. Um, as Ian said, groups will be tested in quiz, in quiz 2 as well. This is an issue that, that is, is quite contentious in, in Europe and, and something that, that there's a lot of debate over. Some of the specific questions that are being asked over there, and we expect that the same ones will be asked over here, is includes what, what is the right method to look at a group as a whole. So the two different methods of aggregating versus doing the deduction and aggregation method what are the benefits and what, what is the right method to be looking at, at, at a group as a whole? The other issue is how do, we cons how, we do, how do we treat the calculation consistently throughout various, various in entities in the group? So what we found is that we, you might have two insurance entities, one subsidiary or, or them sitting next to each other, but the approach to calculating the SCR is significantly different. If you get to a point where you then need to aggregate the results, those results aren't meaningful. So setting a strategy at the top of the group, understanding what the, what the principles are you want to follow and what the methodology should be, and applying those principles down consistently through the group is important. So I think it's important for groups to make sure that all the entities are considered, even the small ones, um, and that they're all able to, do, to calculate uh, the SCR in a consistent fashion. Last issue, of course, in terms of group that's, that makes it very difficult is where to draw the line. Now that's something where there's still a lot of uncertainty and that's also something where we will 
expect quite a bit of guidance from the FSB in terms of what what exactly constitutes a group and what what are you forced to include within a group. There are certain um, criteria and certain uh, conditions that have been considered and have been described. Those aren't final yet, and I think it's important that over the next year or so we start getting clarity on, on, on how groups are defined so that you know exactly what's included in the group. As I've said, what, if you've done this quiz process um, in a coherent manner, it's easy to engage with the other stakeholders in the organization. So it's easy to start engaging with the claims department, with the underwriting department, and especially, as Kavi has said, with senior management to start showing them the results, to start giving them a feel of what, this, what implications that will this will have. Because this, is, this calculation is something that will ultimately lead to a very, some very important decisions, um, we, are, we are already seeing some firms considering restructuring, some fir international firms considering um, the extent to, to which South African operations are still viable, etc., etc. Some big decisions will be made because of these calculations. It's, ensure, it's important that your process is set up in such a manner that you have confidence and that when you stand up and communicate your results to management, you can, can do so in a confident manner and also know that, that the process is well governed and that the necessary reviews and the necessary quality assurance was performed. Once you've done the quiz in that fashion, it becomes so much easier to engage with the FSB and with the SAM structures. So a lot of people are unhappy about the numbers that are coming out, but until you do the calculation properly and you understand um, what the issues are that affect your business and what drives that calculation, it doesn't really give you a, a, a foot to stand on. So I think it's important and it's recommended for Quiz2 to, to do this in, 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 a, in, in a thorough way because it gives you a foot to stand on when, when talking with the FSB. And finally, I think it's important to consider Quiz 1 or Quiz 2 or all of the Pillar 1 work in light of your bigger SAM preparations for your, for your organization. Now, a lot of actuaries and, and a lot of us in this room tend to, on purpose, stay away from Pillar 2 because we, we, we like Pillar 1 and it's comfortable work. But we have to ask ourselves, what is Pillar 2 really about? Apart from the risk management and governance requirements and the four control functions and the impact that that might have on organizational structures, the rest of Pillar 2 is all basically based on Pillar 1. Why is that? Because Pillar 2 requires you to understand and quantify all your risks, to make sure that those risks are taken into consideration when you plan your business going forward and to ultimately make sure that you have enough capital for all those risks. So a lot of people are discussing at the moment what exactly does an ORSHA mean, this own risk and solvency assessment. Is it a process? Is it a report? A lot of discussion about that. At the end of the day, an ORSHA is simply the process you go through and then document to ensure that on the one hand, risk management and governance is embedded within your organization, but on the other hand, all the risks are understood and quantified. All the risks are taken into consideration when you plan your business going forward. And the board understands and is happy with all the risks, even at extreme stress scenarios. And that the board is happy with the amount of capital they hold. That is what, what the ORSA is all about. So this process of calculating your economic capital 
is which which is the capital that the board feels you need to hold essentially just builds on the process of calculating your regulatory capital which we have done using the quiz so even at this early stage in your SAM journey and 2014 is is not that far away anymore it's important that all the pillar one work and all the calculations that you do as part of the quiz and as part of pillar one should feed into some of the bigger SAM considerations such as risk appetite stress testing capital management and of course your ORSA so those are the slides we have um, Kavi has kindly agreed to answer any questions that anyone might have um, we I, I know we have run a little bit over time but uh, I'd really encourage anyone and I welcome some some challenging views from the floor sure that's convenient it was either going to be Andre or Eugene so Thanks, uh, Ernest and, and Covey. Thanks for your time and your presentation. I think maybe just one that I'd like to bat for the industry. You know, they the quiz one was drafted on quiz five. There's a reason why it's five. You know, there were four iterations in Europe, so the guys had time to to upskill to put the processes in place. So I think for an industry, you know, being that our first attempt, and if you look at quiz one, look at quiz five spreadsheet. Quiz five spreadsheet is very intimidating. So I think we actually did okay. So I I think the industry, you know. That's never mentioned anywhere, but the industry had to climb a massive one for the first attempt to do a quiz five level, especially in South Africa. Um, so that's my first comment. The second one I wanted to ask your, your view on, and it's, it's kind of related to one another, is, is the choice of methods. Um, you've, you've spoken there about a lot of the simplifications used either for the technical provisions or the SCR. But I know there's in the guidance in the quiz one technical spec, and I don't know if it'll be in the quiz two, is the process you follow in choosing a method. I think it's, I'm, I'm rusty, it might be the nature, scale, and complexity of the risks which you evaluate and try and choose a method that's appropriate. So although the number might be big, the nature, scale, and complexity of the risk might be such as you could use a simplified method. So I'd like your views on that. And then maybe just some experience in, in Europe around people having their quizzes audited um, or having the results sense-checked by outside parties. Is that a growing trend or not? All right, I'll try and cover cover the three in, in order. Firstly, I, I I agree completely with you in terms of that the industry has done well, and I think Kavi also said it that although it, Quiz One was quite a shock on the on on the system for a lot of actuarial teams, there's um they did really well, and and a lot of upskilling has happened uh, since. So so we definitely expect actuarial teams to be more ready for for Quiz Two, and I agree with you that, that that's the case. In terms of your your question regarding how to choose. Uh, methods for simplifications. The 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 in in the quiz one and in the quiz five technical specifications, there is that sort of graph that they give where you have to measure on the one axis what is the impact of that of that simp of that simplification on the other graph. I think what is the level of detail that you need to go into uh, on the other axis. Very few insurers actually for quiz one. To be honest with you, made consideration of that and went into that detail when deciding what to do most people just did the best they could and try to try to apply the, the the actual standard and if that wasn't available applied the the highest level of simplification that they could um, I think it's important point that you raise though because going forward um, both as, as part of your ORSA and as part of your reporting to the FSB you'll have to state where the significant errors of simplification are so it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation where you have to understand the size of the impact of the simplification before you make it. But 
you have to make a simplification in order to understand it. So it's it's a bit confusing. So, but I think those sort of things will 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 become more clear as the as the formula gets better down, and people are able to, to test the impact of different assumptions. Uh, and the third one, oh, is the re the re um, okay. The, the, on on the third one, on on the on the review and and quality assurance um, around quizzes, um, we. we I don't have any sort of specific experience from from Europe for you, um, but but I think um, you've you've kind of got to be sensible and practical about it. I think for um, for some companies, uh, the, the, these the, the, they're sort of um, you know more than well solvent, and and the, these numbers are uh, you, you, you have less of an impact for their for their business, um, and and in in those cases, well, you know, you, you know you could argue that that. Very high level review is is is, is all that's required. Um, we 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 do see though, and and we have a, a a few clients where where these numbers are extremely significant and extremely um, critical decisions are being taken on them. And I think in those cases, it certainly does make sense to 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 consider um, external review, um, especially when you're making um, you know important decisions about about your business and and its future. Anyone else? Um, there's quite a wealth of experience and observations coming from the, or that could come from the uh, uh, consulting act, uh, actuarial firms. Um, is there a proper process in place for ensuring that those filter through to the working groups, the task groups, etc., and and could there be a communication um, process between the different consultant uh, consultancies? Look, look, we're ve we're very good friends, and if that's not the that's not the problem. Um, to answer your question, uh, there, there's no official um, system at the moment for for information to filter down from from consultants um, to the working groups. Obviously, most of the consultancies are represented uh, and and do um, take part in in the working groups. Um, but in terms of having the mandate from specific clients, that's ov obviously on 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 unique case case-by-case case situations where that happens. Um, I do agree with you though that as an industry, if there, if there are findings that, that, that are useful and that can benefit the industry and make the formula uh, more appropriate for us, um, for our industry locally, then, then that information should filter down. What, what I can say is that all our clients and, and, and as far as we did the quiz, um, the questionnaire was 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 somewhere where we did where we put a lot of effort into to try and give useful information as part of the quick questionnaire um, because we felt that that's that's the area where we can communicate with the FSB directly and highlight specific issues so so we trust that as as a starting point those issues would have filtered through from from the questionnaires that we filled in on behalf of clients to to the working groups. Thank you. Also like to thank the CPD subcommittee for organizing the event. Thank you.